This episode is dedicated to the life and legacy of Sir Frank Williams. He said, I feel the need, the need for speed. I've never forgotten that. That is a completely different beast to most normal men. In Frank, there's a huge amount of determination. There is an extraordinary retentive obsessiveness. I suppose motor racing people in general are the most intensely competitive people I've ever known. He ran every circuit that we were at the racetrack. He used to run round it, and he felt bad if he didn't. You know, it was like a drug for him. Frank Williams, what a man. He really was. He was. Responsible for 16 championships in Formula One, nine constructors' championships, and seven drivers' championships. Williams, throughout the years, collected 128 poles, 114 wins, and 313 podiums. That's some extreme records there. It really is, yeah. To start this tribute, why don't you take us on a journey back to the start for Frank Williams and Williams Racing? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Frank Frank Williams, who was uh, born in South Shields in England in 1942, 16th of April 1942. And from, a, from an early age, he was interested in motor racing. Uh, it all started apparently in the 50s where his friend gave him a ride in his Jaguar XK150, um, which seemed to immediately interest, pique his interest into fast cars. And uh, yeah, he he spent some time as a driver, racing driver and a mechanic. And uh, when he worked out that he wasn't able to really, he reached the, the peak of of 
the or the pinnacle of motor racing, he decided to fund his own Formula One team. And in 1966, Frank Williams Racing Cars was founded. Good. Good. So, and, and the way that he basically did that was he purchased a Brabham chassis and then created a, 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 a racing car from there. He had a good friend within Formula One, um, which was Pierre's Courage, and he was his one and only driver. And he drove throughout the 1969 Formula One season. In 1970, Frank undertook a partnership with a chassis manufacturer, De Tommaso, uh, but it ended with the tragic death of his friend, Pierre Courage, uh, at the Dutch Grand Prix. Um, and then the following year, Williams uh, ran uh, a different driver. And in 1972, the first F1 car built by Williams themselves right. was designed by Len Bailey. Unfortunately, that specific car was uh, crashed and destroyed on its first race. Yeah. <laughs> In 1976, after two existing sponsors fell through, Frank took on a partner in Austro-Canadian oil magnate Walter Wolf. And uh, although Williams, Frank Williams stayed on as an employee, the team was effectively sold to the oil giant. So he was then subsequently, he left the business in 1977 and he started up what we know today is Williams Williams Grand Prix Engineering with uh, a well-known name, Patrick Head, as well. That's right. So that's uh, so Williams Engineering. Obviously, has uh, turned over many names over the years, and we'll talk about you know the uh, evolution of them later on. It's uh, yeah, that's sort of the basics of where everything got started. That's that's right, yeah. So effectively, 1969 to 1976 yeah. was Frank Williams Racing. Yeah. Uh, it went on for another couple of years as Walter Wolf Racing. Uh, I think it was 1979. It ended up, uh, you know, completely closing its doors. But it was 1977-78 where right. Williams Racing, as we know today, yeah. was, was, was started. But... So, it's not like many other teams or the new teams that you see coming in. This team came to something from nothing. Mm. It didn't just come in with a whole lot of money. It didn't have a mega amount of financial backing. There was a lot of uh, dirty, oily rags that old Frank's had He had to turn his hand to in those early days. And um, I guess that's probably what makes him the the legend and, you know, the man that he is within the sport today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's there's lots of good stories about Frank Williams. I mean, he was a salesman yeah, and he used Grand Prix weekends as an opportunity to buy and sell parts right. to other racing teams on the grid, as well as in the Formula 2 and Formula 3 uh, teams as well. You know, he was buying and selling. He was buying product for his own cars, particularly in the early days. You know, he was a wheeler dealer yeah, and he was so against the grain when it came to your typical Formula One teams, such as Ferrari, yep. such as Brabham. And, you know, that's why it's such a fairy tale story, and why it's such a magical story, the the rise of uh, of Frank Williams and Williams Racing. Yeah. But certainly his first go at it, if you like, Frank Williams Racing, uh, he, he required that 
additional support, which turned into the end of that, yeah, that uh, that era of him in Formula One. But uh, pleasing to say that wasn't the end of Frank Williams in Formula One. And as as we say, 1978, he is included within Formula One as a constructor. Yeah, that's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. And they've been there ever since. You know, there's yeah. never been a season out or anything like that since. So they've, you know, it's a, it's, you know, it's no easy task, is it? We've seen Formula One teams come and go over the years, mm. change a lot of names, change owners, and uh, it's a long time. It's a long time. Yeah, I mean, we know Ferrari, and McLaren that are still here today, Mercedes that have come and gone, uh, Red Bull that have come, and. You know, Sauber. Sauber is probably since '93. Williams is the oldest, oldest team that is still around as its original form. And obviously, they did sell the business, but it is still, still Williams. It's still the same infrastructure that Frank has built and stood the test of time. Where others have fallen, Tyrrell, Brabham. Yep. You know, and and just to to name name a few. You know, they never made it Lotus. You know, they never made it, made it through all the eras. You know, Frank took his team from the 70s, dominated uh, for most of the 80s and 90s. Yeah. And, you know, it, it did fall short, but what he obviously built was a sustainable business that could last throughout the decades as well. Yeah. And moved with the times, mm. you know. And I think they were uh, part of the uh, the sale that happened you know, with with Williams was you know Frank obviously being a much older and and Claire saying that you know Williams were time to move on to the next mm. to the next chapter obviously, but the new buyers are quite keen to keep the heritage, and mm. you would be you know you wouldn't want to to change that. No, and it's so nice to you know and they did that with the livery this year's livery. You know, it's a spin-off of all the little bits and pieces that it's ever been over the years, and that's quite, you know, it's quite special. Yeah. And it's interesting to see what might happen for them now moving forward without Frank in the sport at all. Yeah. Um, wish them much luck, really, to be honest. Mm. Yes. I mean, we all, we all want to see a, a Williams at the, the front of the grid yeah. again. Yes, uh, We will, we both hold dear memories of Williams, particularly for myself growing up uh, as a child, the Williams Racing Team had a massive impact on on my love for Formula One. Yeah. We'll come to that a little bit later on in this episode, but for now, I mean, so Williams Racing, reborn in 1978, uh, that was within within a year, incredibly successful, and stayed successful for another 17, what, yeah. 17, 18 years. Uh, so... Just go. Can you go through the stats for us again, just yeah. to just to remind us? I can go a little bit deeper into the stats actually. So let's uh, let's do that. Right. So Williams, the statistics. This is the exciting bit. Um, constructors. We'll start with constructors first. So they won the first of their constructors in 1980. They also won in 1981. Again in 1986, 87. 1992, 93, 94, 96, and 1997. They've also had a series of world championship drivers, with the first being Alan Jones in 1980, Kiki Rosberg in 1982, and 1987 was Nelson Piquet, in 1992, Nigel Mansell, 93, Alain Prost, 96, Damon Hill, 
1997, Jacques Villeneuve. In the 781 Grand Prix that they've had, they have raced 79,620 laps and they've led 7,584 of those. Again, they've had 114 wins, 128 pole positions, 133 fastest laps, 313 podiums, and they've had the one-two step 33 times. It's, that's, some, that's some stats, man, isn't it? You know, that's really, really solid. It is. It is, particularly when you understand where they, you know, the humble beginnings. Yeah. Uh, it's It's very, very impressive particularly when you think that from 1978 they're starting and then in two years time, two years later they're winning the double uh, Constructors and Drivers' Championship yeah. with Alan Jones. That's and brilliant. then in another two years' time they're winning another Drivers' Championship. Obviously yeah. they've gone from 80, 81, 82. They've won a Constructors or yeah. a Drivers or both. Or, you know, successfully defended or retained. Yeah. And, you know, and then, looking uh, at the sets, there's a lot of seconds. You know, like uh, 1991... 1989, 2002, 1995, 1979. You know, there's <laughs> close but no cigar. There could have been a lot more, yeah. Yeah, very solid, but that's racing, isn't it? You know, you can lose out by 1.2 points, but seriously, it's um, and it's so, good stats. Yeah, it's uh, it really is. You know, in later years, it's not been as flash, has it? But, uh, you mm-hmm. know, in 2014 or 15, third. Yeah, that 14 and 15 seasons with Massa and Bottas together, yep. Mercedes engine, uh, the start of the hybrid era, the start of the Martini livery, right. which was fantastic. That was a good livery. That was a, that was a good couple of years for them, and they did incredibly well. But apart from those two years, basically from 2003, it's been incredibly challenging. They've had some decent drivers. They've just not been quite to where they were before, and they've never really hit the heights of what they achieved basically with from 90 up up right. until 1997 and yeah. that's what we say you know it'd be lovely to see him back on on the top step of the podium back fighting for world championships and i think and i believe and hope that that time will come but yeah certainly very dominant in the 80s and 90s and effectively sandwiching a dominant era from mclaren yeah that that's pretty yeah. much it. If it wasn't for that McLaren of the Senna and Prost that we know very well, apart from those years, you know, it's Williams' dominance yeah. for nearly seventeen years. I mean, it, even even going in at, at the at the turn of the millennium, if you like, you know, was it ninety eight and ninety nine McLaren? They finished third and fifth, and in two thousand third again, two thousand one third, and then in two thousand and two and two thousand and three, they're on the. The second yeah. step of the constructors, it's, mm. you know, it wasn't till later that they sort of just died off and become that midfield team. Yeah. And uh, and then obviously since the hybrid era, they got off to a flying start there, but it's not looked too flash in the last few seasons, but this can happen. You yeah. know, things can change and they can very quickly get back to where they were. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure they will. Absolutely. But, um, yeah. So the drivers. More statistics just before we move on. Mm. They've had 70 drivers. 70 different drivers. And obviously we know of the seven world champions. Yes. You know, the likes of Mansell, Prost, Hill, Villeneuve. But there were some incredible drivers that had the privilege of racing for Frank Williams uh, that didn't win championships 
We have a nice little list here. Do yeah. you want to read them out? Yeah, I can yeah. do, yeah. So everybody said... There you my- go. Here's a, I'll pass you the piece of paper. <laughs> Thank you. So Schumacher, Ralph Schumacher. Yes. Uh, Patrese and Felipe Massa, Valtteri Bottas, uh, Nico Rosberg's 2016 world champion, Juan Pablo Montoya. Yep. Uh, Pastor Maldonado was the last uh, Williams race winner in 2012. Right. Uh, Rubens Barrichello. <laughs> Barry. Yes. Heinz Harold Frensen, who was in the late 90s. Uh, Mark Webber, David Coulthard, uh, Ayrton Senna, Bruno Senna. Yes. Anybody else? Nico Hulkenberg with Jensen Button. Jensen Button, of yep. course. Who could forget Jensen Button? Martin Brundle. Yes. Not sure for. <laughs> Martin Brundle. Yes, obviously Ayrton Senna that uh, in 1994 was tragically killed in the in the Williams racing car. W16. But wasn't it? Uh, we will. Susie Wolf. Yeah. Lots. Mrs. Toto Wolf. Mrs. There's, Toto. There's a lot of people here. You know, there's, there a, is. there's a lot of drivers over the years. Mm. Yeah, it really is. It's, um, that is history. That comes with history, doesn't it? You know, let's have a look. Let's have a look at these uh, engine builders. Who have we had in the engine department? Renault is probably the successful, the most successful yeah. partnership, I would say. Williams, Williams Renault. Everyone yeah. wanted to see that. Mercedes engine, Ford, Cosworth, BMW, Honda, Cosworth, Toyota, and some other ones that they must have been in the early days. Mm. Judd, what? Supertech, Mechacro. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, the, you know. There you go. The guys that could have been but never were. Yeah. But no, the list just goes on and on, doesn't it? That Williams Renault partnership was incredibly good. You know, I would argue it's that Williams Renault partnership was more successful than Red Bull Renault. Yeah, which which was also another successful successful era, yeah. but uh, you know that is certainly from from my fondest moments of Williams in the nineties. Yeah. Growing up, uh, Williams Renault, the Rothmans the Williams Rothmans livery that is the you know, starting with with Mansell in ninety two, winning his world championship after so many years of trying, and then the tragic death of Senna, moving forward to Damon Hill. And finally, after on his third year of trying, fighting against Michael Schumacher, yep. winning the world championship in 1996. Those in particular are my fondest memories. Yep. My first time going to a racetrack was at that time in, in 1995. And it was, it was, it was amazing for me. Yeah. You know, they, they were my favorite team growing up. They were my favorite team. McLaren were not, um, Williams were, because of the British team, because of the British driver. And for me, that was the perfect mix to really, for me to fall in love with, with Formula One. So what was your, I mean, Williams obviously went the Rothmans, I think it was the 94 season they started, 92 yep. and 93, they were the, the Camel Cannon. Hmm. Um, obviously, being from New Zealand and being a Senna fan, I was still with McLaren. I didn't really start to fall in love with Williams until Ayrton went there in 94. But out of the the Rothmans or the, the Camel livery, what, what what would you... Rothmans. What's your favourite? It was yeah. the Rothmans one. Yeah. You know. That's, I would say in particular the 1996 Rothmans-Williams right. was my my 
most favourite, yeah, favourite car, F1 car ever. Uh, it was, I, I see it now and it's, it's still incredible. It still looks good. And it does. From a design point of view, you know, fast, it was. They've built some great cars. They've built some, you yeah. know, absolutely amazing cars. Uh, which Mansell's championship winning car. Yeah. You know, that, that thing was on the hydraulics, wasn't it? Mm. Was that the one? You know, amazing. Not only was Frank Williams a great boss, he knew how to run a team, but like any good boss, he knows that he needs to have experts in the right departments and yeah. experts. He needs to have the best people doing the best jobs. And he had and Adrian Newey for a long time. Yeah, Patrick Head was his, his, his right-hand man. Adrian Newey was a was an inc- incredibly important part of the success of the 90s in particular. And arguably when he left and went to McLaren, things started to change for Williams. Yep. And maybe the success faded off. But, uh, you know, that's credit to Frank. F- sourcing, finding these people and and getting the best out of them and creating this environment where racing drivers wanted to come and race for him. Yeah. You know, Alan Pross wanted to come and race for him. Yeah. Senna wanted to come and race for him. Mansell raced for him. He went away. He came back yep. and raced for him again. And then for a third time as well, he was pulled out of retirement to go and race for him again. Yep. You know, it was... He was he was so influential on not just us, but also on racing drivers, fans all over the world. He'll be incredibly missed. Other Formula One teams were probably lifting, or you yeah, know, since his passing, to see the the amount of tributes come from other Formula One teams is it's admirable. Really, it's um, yeah, I don't really know what else to say. What a man! Mm. What a man! He really was. But, you know, he, he had such a passion for Formula One. We are all, we all benefit from his love for Formula One. Yeah. Uh, a great story as well. He was so dedicated that uh, his wife sent him out for fish and chips one evening for dinner. Right. Sent him out for fish and chips and he come back with spark plugs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was just lived and breathed F1. You know, like we heard on the the early part of the the show that you know he loved to race run around the tracks you know he he also loved his speed yeah in 1986 as we know that he unfortunately had a car accident coming back from the Paul Ricard track yep and unfortunately left him paralyzed yeah for and and remained that way for the rest of his life uh, but that didn't stop, stop no, him. being in a wheelchair. Sort of a it it seemed to have fueled him even more because his bitter results as a team boss came after that accident. Mm. You know, and I guess when you can't actively do so much, you spend a lot more time thinking. And uh, you, you know, the ideas and the thoughts and stuff that he's come up and that he's managed to manifest. It's again, it's admirable, isn't it? A lot of people would would use that uh, specific incident to give up and just stop but he didn't he kept going probably at twice the pace he was before yeah you know and um yeah it's, it, it just shows the the character and the caliber of the man doesn't it mm. within nine months of him having that accident he was back in day-to-day Is with that Williams. All it was, yeah. really that and, yeah. and that's no small accident to to lose the ability to walk mm. is, is is a big thing yeah you know it really is you know so he's got he's lost the ability 
to use his upper and lower body. He had very minimal movement, but he was still so involved, so interested. And as I say, we've, we've all benefited for his love and passion for Formula One. And I just don't think we're going to ever see anybody like that within Formula One ever again. No. He was one of a kind. Yeah. Certainly. So, um, do we have a quiz today? Like a, a Frank Williams or a Williams special quiz? Uh, I do have some questions. Yeah, I do. I have oh. got some, some questions prepared. I thought that it would be still nice to just go through a few questions and yeah. answers. Uh, we'll leave the buzzers. We'll leave the dings yeah. and the buttons. They were terrible anyway. No, <laughs> you know you like them. But let's leave them for the for the standard podcast episodes uh, on race reviews. Uh, but um, certainly we can go through some questions that I've prepared just for everybody to to understand and know and for you to be educated uh, because I don't think you're going to get many of these. <laughs> right. Okay. So. Uh, question number one. Question one. We'll start with question one. Williams' first win came in 1979. But can you tell me which racetrack that it came at was it a the Belgium Grand Prix is it b the British Grand Prix c the Italian Grand Prix or d the European Grand Prix European was it in Spain Spain European yes. Grand Prix in Spain yeah that one no incorrect that was uh, it was the British Grand Prix 1979 British Grand Prix was it uh, less than 2 years after uh, they launched as Williams. They became race winners. Ah. Okay. So zero uh, out of one. Zero out of one. Question two. Uh, there have been 16 different drivers that have stood on the top step uh, for Williams. But can you tell me who has uh, stood on the top step the most? A, Jacques Villeneuve. B, Damon Hill. C, Alan Jones, or D, Nigel Mansell? Mm. Hard one. I would say it's it's between Hill and Mansell, isn't it? But uh, which one of them, I don't know. Hill was there longer, but I don't know if he was. 92, 93. I'm going to go with Hill. Damon Hill? Yeah. Uh, no, it's actually Nigel Mansell. Ah. Nigel Mansell was there. He was the longest serving. He he recorded uh, 28 wins right. with Williams, uh, 31 in total. So 28 of his yeah. 31 wins came with Williams, right. uh, 21 for Damon Hill. So uh, it was close. Uh, Jones, Alan Jones on 11. Jacques Villeneuve got 11 wins as well. Right. Uh, Jones got 11 out of his 12 wins with Williams. Uh, Jacques Villeneuve got all of his wins with Williams as Williams. well. Obviously a dominant 90. 96 and 97. So, yeah, that is the answer to that. Okay. Um, question three. Question three. Williams' last, as we know, Williams' last race win was in 2012. But can you tell me, Pastor Maldonado obviously was the race winner, but can you tell me which racetrack they won their last race? And I'll give you them all again. So, uh, A the Belgian Grand Prix, B, the British Grand Prix, C, the Italian Grand Prix, or D, the Spanish Grand Prix? 
Um, I'm going to go with Spanish again. Yeah, that's correct. Good. Yeah, 2012 <laughs> Spanish Grand Prix, Good Catalonia. Uh, he got pole position and went on to uh, dominate the weekend and finish the race in first. So, yes, Good. that was question number three. Top boy. Question four. They have had, as we know, we've spoken about before, 10 different engine partners since their debut in 1977. Right. Uh, their partnership with Renault obviously was the most dominant and they got 64 of their 114 uh, victories with Renault engines. But can you tell me which engine supplier uh, was second most successful behind Renault? So I've got three options. I've got uh, Ford, Honda or BMW. So A Ford, B Honda, C BMW. Mm. Very hard because was Honda not in the Kemmel? It was, wasn't it? Williams Renault was the ninety two. No, ninety four, wasn't it? Did Williams Renault come on ninety two? Yeah, Williams Renault was in the ninety three and ninety two World Championships of Mansell and Prost. Um. Honda were in the 80s. Yeah, right, okay. And uh, I'm assuming that we include wins because they didn't have much later on. So these are the number of wins. Number with, of wins, yeah. Yeah, so right. 10 different engine partners, uh, but race wins, 64 race wins yep. out of their 114, 64 with a Renault engine. Yep, uh, and the rest... Ford, Honda, and BMW. Yeah. Who has who has been the second it's, most successful? Yeah, it's it's going to be um, it's going to be Honda over Ford. I would have thought. It, and BMW last. I would have thought. I would have thought win wise. Okay. Uh, yes, that's correct. That's yeah. in, in fact you've got them all in order. So <laughs> Honda is second with twenty three race wins. Seventeen Ford. Right. Uh, Seventeen race wins. BMW ten race wins. Do I get extra points for no? Just a well done a bit, from it's me. A bit harsh. So, in a normal quiz, I would have got the good buzzers, wouldn't I? Yes, you yeah. probably would have. Yeah. So that was question four. Uh, final question: the most dominant season for Williams was nineteen ninety six. There were sixteen races, but can you tell me how many victories they managed to get in that nineteen ninety six season? Is it 10, 11, 12, or 13 out of the 16 races did they win? 96. Yes. I would say, would you say uh, 14? Did you say 14? 10, 10, 11, 11, 12, 12, or 13. 13. I don't like 13, so I'm going to go for 12, but I think it was 13. Correct, it was 12. 12 oh, out job. of 16. So, so retain my three out of five record. They won 75% That's of good. their their victories uh, in that that season. So you got the first one wrong, the second one wrong, and, and the then third, fourth, and fifth. Yeah, you did great. Three out of five. Yeah. Good job. So they were more than 100 points uh, ahead of Ferrari in the Constructors' Championship in 1996. And when we think about the old point scoring system, obviously it was different. It was 10 for a win. 
and uh, eight for second. That's that's incredibly impressive in that specific season. So, yeah, that was a little quiz, little bit of information about uh, Williams. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we didn't really want to take too much away from what this tribute uh, episode is. Uh, but, you know, some nice little questions there, some yeah. nice little facts and fun fun questions for you. Hopefully you are. Uh, if you didn't already know, then you know a little bit more about the great man that was Sir Frank Williams and his racing team and the attributes over the years from these guys, fine drivers, fine team. And, um, yeah, it's just a... It's, it's a very sad time for Formula One fans, but there's lots to be grateful for, Yeah, isn't there, hugely? Yeah. So um, I'm going to say thank you, Frank. Yes. And, uh, yeah, and we may have lost the man, uh, but the legacy will live forever. Yeah. And thank you, Frank. podcast was recorded at Eastwood Studios. Post-production was completed at MixMK. The sound recording is owned by Operation F1, a division of Operation Media Limited. The sound recording name and logos protected, all rights reserved. Copyright 2021, Operation Media Limited.